This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, I'm Michael Buckley at the Bright Focus Foundation. Welcome to today's Bright Focus chat, Geogatric Atrophy, What You Need to Know. If this is your first time on a Bright Focus chat, welcome. So let me tell you a little bit about Bright Focus and what we'll do today on our chat. Bright Focus Foundation funds some of the top researchers in the world. We support brilliant scientists who are trying to find cures for macular degeneration, glaucoma, and Alzheimer's. And we're able to share the latest news from these scientists with families who are impacted by these diseases. Today's Bright Focus chat is another way of sharing information from the fields of health and science with families that are impacted by these diseases. Today, we're very fortunate to be joined by Dr. Gayatri Riley of the Retina Group of Washington. Uh, those of you who've been on previous chats may recognize Dr. Riley as, as um uh, as someone who's been been with us before and and has been been very very helpful, so certainly appreciate uh, Dr. Riley joining us. Uh, Dr. Riley, I want to thank you for for uh, returning to to a bright focus chat. We're we're thrilled to have you back. And I was wondering uh, if you could just start off a little bit about um, uh, what you do, your background, and start with an overview of of geographic atrophy. Sure. Well, thanks again for inviting me back. I've really enjoyed uh, the opportunity to speak on these topics. Um, as, as mentioned, um, I, I work for the Retina Group of Washington. Uh, we serve 14 offices in the Maryland, D.C., and Virginia area, and we we serve patients with a, a variety of retinal conditions. Um, one of the most common retinal conditions, as you know, that start to affect patients as they get older is macular degeneration. And macular degeneration um, affects a growing number of patients, um, especially as we uh, get older as as you approach over the age of 55 and 65. Um, macular degeneration can be broken down into two main forms. The most common form, about 85% of macular degeneration, is what we consider dry, with the latter, with the remainder, about 15%, being wet macular degeneration. Now, one of the most like common questions patients always ask is, you know, I have dry macular degeneration. Is that the good kind? And um, it's really, you know, I, I try to hesitate um, labeling either dry or wet macular degeneration as, as a as a better or worse form of the disease process because it's all in a spectrum. Um, all patients start off as dry, and along the spectrum of macular degeneration is when they can uh, start to de to uh, develop the more advanced forms of the disease, which include ge geographic atrophy and wet macular degeneration. So this talk, um, we're going to be talking mostly about geogra geographic atrophy, what it is and how it can affect your vision, and hopefully uh, we can touch on some of the upcoming treatments for it. Um, geographic atrophy is basically um, when the center portion of the vision, which is the macula, um, starts to lose the actual cells in the in the retinal layers. So the cells that are the most crucial for your vision are your photoreceptors, which are rods and cones. They basically process the light and send all of that information onto your brain. Geographic atrophy um, represents a degeneration of these cells and that eventually leads to the, to the death of these rods and cones. 
And what you end up seeing clinically is that you have these large kind of areas where um, the macula looks extremely thin compared to the rest of the more healthy and surrounding uh, retinal tissue. Um, so before I kind of continue about it, um, do you have any particular areas that you sure. want me to focus on? Yeah, um, just you know, a, a few basic uh, questions. Um, uh, why is it called geographic? Atrophy. So it has to do with the fact, geographic, in the sense of how it looks when we look at the, at this area. Um, so geographic sort of defines, it sort of ends up being as a continent or kind of an island-shaped area of abnormal tissue when we look into the into the macula. And atrophy represents, you know, basically just the loss or degeneration of um, the cells in that particular area. Mm -hmm. I believe you said that um, geographic, geographic atrophy is a often a most common form of a dry MD. So if somebody hears geographic, geographic atrophy from the, their physician, I, I mean, should they or should they not think that that's the same as AMD? Or how, do, how should someone kind of sort out those two terms in their mind? So I like to separate macular degeneration, you know, most commonly we say dry and wet, and geographic atrophy is um, a, a form of dry macular degeneration. But to me, more importantly, and, and what's more relatable to the patient is separating it into kind of categories of severity of macular degeneration. So you can have mild, you can have intermediate macular degeneration, and then you can have advanced forms of macular degeneration. And and geographic atrophy falls into the advanced forms of macular degeneration. And um, so typically, you know, we hope that during having, you know, frequent eye exams, macular degeneration will be caught a little bit in the earlier stages. And, you know, they're either in the mild or intermediate stage. But ge ge geographic atrophy is added um, into this advanced form, which wet macular degeneration is also um, a part of. And so you can have significant symptoms with geographic atrophy um, because it is now a much later or more advanced form of macular degeneration. No, it's good to know. It's good to see, you know, I think it's helpful for, for listeners to kind of see see how that progresses. If someone um, said they were having trouble maybe, you know, seeing all the letters uh, in, you know, in a word or maybe seeing all of a person's, um, you know, face when they look at someone, uh, could that be a, a sign of geographic atrophy? Absolutely. That's one of the most uh, classic symptoms of it is what we call a scotoma, which is basically a blind spot in the in the central vision, which is an area which is represented by an area where those cells are not um, are no longer there. So typically, the patient will be able to see, you know, in one word, they'll be able to maybe see the first letter or the last two letters, but right in the middle, they're losing those, you know, additional letters in that word. Or like you said, you know, when, when you're looking at a face, you can see the ears or the hair, but you're having much more trouble identifying the face, you know, from their eyes or their nose more centrally. I would think that would be a pretty, um, uh, you know, kind of anxiety-inducing um, you know, situation. So if someone, if that's happening, what type of tests should they make sure they get when they see um, uh, an eye care professional? 
Sure. And, and this is where, you know, the eye care community um, has done such a terrific job in terms of screening. All patients need to get a, a dilated um, fundus examination. And whether, you know, the optometric uh, community has done a, a great job with um, taking uh, fundus photos, taking photos of the of the retina, or getting a dilated exam where you can truly identify um, exactly the whether um, you have the early stages or um, more advanced uh, stages of macular degeneration. But that, that's the basic um, part of the eye exam. Um, you know, you, you have your vision checked, you have your eye pressure checked, but you do need to get a dilated exam in order to uh, identify um, these changes. So to that end, Dr. Riley, what, when someone thinks that they may have um, uh, geographic atrophy or another form of macular degeneration, what are some of the, the, the things that are most important that they communicate clearly um, uh, to you or one of your colleagues? So one is family history. Um, I almost, you know, I, I absolutely ask every patient whether there's been any family history of either macular degeneration that's known or just other causes of, um, you know, difficult vision as, as that's in the family because macular degeneration, as we've spoken about earlier, um, is, is very genetic and um, having patients know this and involves asking, you know, parents and siblings, um, knowing if you have a family history of it, that should, um, you should always ask whether do you have any signs of macular degeneration? I think that's a very, very valid and, and very important question um, to ask your eye care provider. Mm -hmm. What do you do if a, a person, for you know whatever reasons, um, doesn't know about a family history? Um, what do you do? Uh, you know, if they're if they're not able to to elaborate on that on that topic. Well, that's common, and part of it has to do with. On our side of things, you know, up up until 15 years ago, we didn't have treatments for macular degeneration, so the diagnosis and and discussions uh, of the condition um, has significantly improved over the past 10, 15 years. But you know, maybe 30, 30, 25 years ago um, was not the case. So a lot of patients don't even know if they've had it or not. Um, basically, you know, on, on the eye exam, there's there's very classic findings that we can um, look for that at least identify um, the earlier stages of macular degeneration first. Um, most commonly, we see little uh, yellow bumps in the center portion of the vision that we call drusen, um, which are the, the very first signs of macular degeneration. And at that stage, you know, most patients don't have any symptoms and they're having no difficulty with their vision. And that's why, you know, having these yearly um, examinations are so important. Great. Um, now, one question that we, you know, I think we've discussed on previous chats and we get here once in a while is what if you, is basically comparing one of your, the health of one of your eyes to the other, like can you have um, uh, one type of, of AMD in one eye and another, you know, a different type in the other eye, or can you have both wet and dry, maybe one in each eye, or how, how, does, how does all that come together? Absolutely. So as I mentioned earlier, it's best to really think about macular degeneration as a spectrum. And when you think of it that way, you know, just like anything else, you can have different stages of the same disease um, going on. So, um, yeah, absolutely, you can have uh, dry macular degeneration um, in one eye and wet macular degeneration in the other, or you can have, you know, geographic atrophy in one, which is more advanced dry 
versus an earlier or more intermediate form in the other eye because it's a spectrum. And, you know, typically, you know, um, there's a higher risk for the other eye to follow the same path of um, the fellow eye, but uh, not necessarily. Yeah. Well, great. I appreciate, appreciate that. Um, uh, Richard from Missouri is wondering, um, uh, would would AMD also um, uh, cause cause a complete vision loss? Does it ever lead to to that? So typically, no. Uh, macular degeneration in any form uh, will traditionally affect only the central portion of your vision. Um, that leaves your peripheral vision uh, intact. And while you know we are always trained to be using our central vision for recognizing, for reading, you can uh, be trained to sort of use your more peripheral vision if there has been damage to the central portion of the vision. But fortunately, even at its worst, macular degeneration tends to affect only the central central portion of the vision. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Thank you. Um, another question we, we, we get uh, here often, are there treatments for geographic atrophy? So this is the part that's actually quite exciting for us. Um, currently, the answer is no, but um, you know, here at the Retina Group of Washington and and over 200 sites around the country, uh, there recently was just a uh, phase three clinical trial that just completed for a treatment for geographic atrophy, and this was the first first treatment that's made it to this stage. Um, you need to get, you know, there's a phase one clinical trial, phase two clinical trial, and then phase three is the last sort of um, step before it could be submitted to the FDA. And um, this is the first drug that has made it to a phase three clinical trial. And um, this is an exciting uh, drug that basically it's and its endpoint was looking at decreasing the progression of the atrophy. So um, the atrophy over time gets a little bit larger, a little bit larger uh, month by month. And the, this drug, which is um, an injection into the eye uh, monthly, will help to or hope to help to decrease that progression over time. So that tr- clinical trial is now completed, um, but they have there's a lot of analysis that's in the yeah. in the works right now. Well, that's great. It's very exciting. Very exciting news. Uh, thank you for sharing us. If we could, if you don't mind, staying on the topic of clinical trials sure. for a minute. When you have a conversation with your patients um, about clinical trials, either you're bringing it up or, or them, what are some of the the you know kind of maybe key points you try to make to your patients about clinical trials, or maybe some of the common questions and concerns that that they might have? Sure. And I think you know most of the the first question is always is it safe, right? Because, you know, it's, clinical trials have not been um, FDA approved at the, at this point yet. So most patients, their their number one concern, and very appropriately, is is it safe? Is it going to harm me? Um, and, and for us, you know, uh, you know, there's different stages of clinical trials. And, um, you know, we, we tend to participate in phase two or phase three clinical trials, which have already... Um, They've already been tested for its safety, and they've already been assessed to be not harmful um, to that patient. So that's the first thing of, that I usually go over and reassure patients is that this is something that I would feel comfortable, you know, giving mm-hmm. you know my family member or something because I know it's been it's been assessed to be safe. The second question is, you know, most commonly, especially when it's an intervention, is am I getting 
Um, am I, what happens if am I am I getting a placebo? You know, am I not getting um, the medication that I should be getting? And this is more for wet macular degeneration, which we have. Um, uh, you know, a standard of care of, of treatment for, um, almost no clinical trial will put you in a situation where you would be receiving um, no treatment at all. The Usually, the arms are designed such that they're testing this um, alternative drug in addition to what you normally would be getting already to see if it's at least as good, if not better. So that's the second most common question is just that, you know, will I, will, will it be, you know, possible for me to be in a situation where I would not be getting any medication? And the answer to that is almost always no for that reason. Dr. Riley, we had a question about the um, the clinical trial you just mentioned, the one that you're, you're very hopeful about. Um, uh, is that injected or is that an oral medication? So that is an injected um, medication, just like it's the same uh, modality that we use for wet macular degeneration. So um, it's an injection into the eye once a month for now. And do do you see kind of um, you know kind of the crystal ball on the horizon? Do you see injections um, uh, getting replaced by a uh, an oral medication, something that, that perhaps people may feel a little more comfortable uh, taking? Sure. Like, where do you see this field going? You know, I mean, I think the issue currently, I, the way I see the field going, and again, this is just me on my kind of soapbox, is that I think that um, the most exciting aspects of treatment are going to be um, implanted devices. So um, I think it's very hard either orally or with eye drops um, to get the same level of penetration that the medication needs to um, get to the center portion of the vision to have its effect. But, you know, right now we treat patients every single month with these injections, and I think a, a much um, more likely scenario will be where we can actually in implant a device that will slowly release medication over time so that you're not receiving, you know, constant injections, just a one-time, you know, yeah. procedure that uh, will slowly release over time. Great. And and stay on the, the treatment side of it. We have a question. Uh, Norma from Illinois has a question about the AREDS um, vitamin supplement. Is wondering, um, you know, her question is, is, you know, is that, are there you know, is that something that would also work for geographic atrophy? Or I guess in answering that, um, would you be able to explain a little bit about AREDS too and then talk sure. about how or if it relates to geographic atrophy? Sure. And and this is where it gets a little bit, um, a little bit uh, sort of areas of gray. So um, the AREDS 2 vitamins, um, they were looked at a clinical trial over with thousands of eyes. And, and number one, um, the original study and the second study found to be very safe for patients. But importantly, for patients who had um, intermediate macular degeneration, which is a you know dry macular degeneration of a specific level, it was found to decrease the risk of wet macular degeneration by about 25%. And um, the AREDS2 vitamins um, have a specific concentration of um, vitamin C, E, lutein, and zeaxanthin, and those 
that and zinc and copper as well. And and that formulation has been found to be number one well tolerated, but also to help um, decrease the uh, risk of wet macular degeneration. The way the ARIDS two vitamins um, are different from the ARIDS one vitamins, the original formulation was that the initial formulation had some vitamin A in it or beta carotene. And um, some patients who have been taking these vitamins for 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 years probably remember there was a special kind of smokers variation to it and non-smokers version of it. And this was because beta carotene had a slightly increased risk of lung cancer in patients who were smokers. So the ARIDS two formulation basically took the beta carotene out so we don't have to be, you know, we don't have to worry about how long you were a smoker or um, whatnot, and found that these amounts of lutein, zeaxanthine, um, vitamin C, E, zinc, and copper were, were um, number one, equivalent to and were able to decrease the risk of uh, wet macular degeneration. Now, the part that gets a little bit a little bit more gray is that the study only looked that they didn't include eyes with um, advanced macular degeneration. So um, that remember, as we kind of talked about earlier, geographic atrophy falls into that category of advanced macular degeneration. So um, it was not specifically designed to answer that question for geographic atrophy or patients with wet macular degeneration. But, um, you know, what I can, what I tend to tell patients is that if you, you know, we know it works to decrease the risk of wet macular degeneration in patients with intermediate macular degeneration. And if you're able to tolerate it, um, it's certainly not doing any, any harm. Well, great. And, and this is just a, a couple more questions, Dr. Riley. Um, if somebody's diagnosed with geographic atrophy, are there any lifestyle changes that um, that you would recommend as being helpful to them after they receive that I diagnosis? Um, number one, I like working with low vision therapists. And, I, you know, they it's not a matter of what your vision is with geographic atrophy because you can actually be 20-20 with geographic atrophy. Um, and uh, the, the reasoning is that, you know, it just depends on that size of the area that you can't see um, out of that blind spot. And so if if it's small enough, you can make out enough letters on that 2020 line to, to read that line. But, you know, functionally, that doesn't help you. You know, you have a lot of time reading um, very quickly because, you know, you're losing those letters um, as you're reading quickly. So things I recommend to patients is, number one, um, seeing a low vision therapist. They have a variety of resources that can truly kind of improve the quality of your life. But other things I usually recommend is to um, have a lot of light. So most patients with geographic atrophy uh, complain of their vision being worse in dim lighting situations, and and that's something that that is modifiable. So the newer light bulbs with the LED bulbs um, really help quite a bit with improving um, the lighting. Uh, The second thing I usually recommend are magnifying lenses because um, that makes a big difference uh, in terms of going beyond that area that's uh, too thin that you're not able to see by magnifying it past that. So those are the two big things, magnification and lighting, that really help quite a bit. 
That's great. I really appreciate the, uh, the the LED. That's something I think many folks may have been unaware of. Um, just one other question about low vision therapy. Does that tend to be covered by um, by traditional Medicare plans or, or other insurance people may have? Um, it depends on who is performing the low vision therapy. Um, so a lot of times the answer, a lot of a lot of times is no. A lot of the devices um, that might be um, found to be helpful um, do tend to be purchased um, directly from you know that particular area. But at least the evaluation tends to be covered by Medicare. Oh, great. It's good to know. And speaking of devices, um, uh, we've been hearing a little bit about a home monitoring device um, that, that helps people um, uh, in between um, uh, doctor visits. Is that, would you elaborate a little bit about that? Sure. So what you're speaking about is called the 4C Home Device. Um, that is a device made by Notel Vision, which has been approved by the FDA and is covered by um, Medicare to to have earlier detection of wet macular degeneration. So it's designed for patients with um, early or intermediate macular degeneration, um, and their vision you know, should be a bit better than about 2060 or better. Um, but it's a test that you do at home. Um, it's, it takes about three minutes per eye. It's very easy to use. You don't need an Internet connection. Um, it doesn't take very much time. And there's a centralized uh, processing system that is constant, constantly monitoring your test. And if you start to deviate um, and your tests are starting to report um, some abnormalities, your physician who prescribed um, this test uh, will get an alert. And once, you know, if I got that re- that alert, I would call um, call the patient and say, you know, we need to have you come in and, and do a complete examination to see if there's any uh, progression. So in the home monitoring uh, study, they found that um, about 90% of patients uh, were detected when their vision was still 2040 or better. And, and the key for us in terms of treatment for wet macular degeneration, number one is always you know, what the vision is on presentation. So the earlier that it gets detected in general, the better the patients tend to do. So um, that's why this home monitoring device was so exciting for us because um, it was something that was just a little bit more accurate than what we had before. And um, and it's very easy uh, for patients to, to be trained on how to use it. And like I said, it takes about three minutes per eye to do. So there's kind of always somebody sort of monitoring your eyes, which gives yeah. patients quite a bit of, you know, just uh, they're able to take control of the situation That's a bit great. more as well. Yeah, I can imagine that would be great reassurance both for um, both the patient and the physician. Kind of staying on the technology uh, side for, for one more question. To me, this is like out of a science fiction movie, but we're he- tell us a little bit about implantable telescopes in, uh, in, in a, that go in the eye. So an implantable telescope is the most pertinent um, uh, treatment for uh, geographic atrophy because patients have to have, um, in general, fairly poor vision. So they have to be having vision between 2160 and 2800, which is which is pretty uh, pretty poor vision. And it has to be patients only who um, have dry macular degeneration. So uh, patients who have wet macular degeneration are, are not eligible for this telescope. But sort of as you kind of alluded to, it is, is pretty impressive technology. Um, basically, 
um, a telescope gets implanted to where your artificial lens uh, was sitting. And so um, it's done at the same time as cataract surgery, essentially. And it's a combination uh, lens that gets put in with the telescope that magnifies this thing. So just as I was saying earlier, the magnification really helps. Um, this telescope can uh, magnify things uh, between two times to 2.7 times the magnification, and that helps to provide a bit better visual acuity. Now, the telescope is very encouraging, and it is very exciting technology, but it does require a lot of work for the patient to um, get acclimated to it, and they have to be quite motivated to get used to it because um, one eye will kind of have normal um, you know, distance vision, and then the other eye has this magnified uh, vision where your uh, depth perception is really affected. So um, it takes quite a bit to get used to it, and there's a lot of um, low vision therapy and occupational therapists that work with patients who've had this surgery. And um, for many patients who have had it and have been able to go through the rehab afterwards, they've, they report, um, you know, approximately somewhere about three, three and a half lines of improvement on the eye chart, which is pretty significant. It's about 15 yeah. letters. Wow, well, that's great. Um, we have a, a question that just came in that probably goes back to something earlier in the call. Um, call is wondering if does geographic atrophy does it does it tend to get worse quickly or slowly or is this sort of a, a common pace um, timeline that um, that GA moves on? Yeah, it's extremely slow. So um, that is a fortunate portion of geographic atrophy. It does enlarge, but we're talking um, microns, you know, somewhere between about two microns per year, which is extremely, extremely small. Um, and and that there is a test that we can do as retina specialists. Um, it's just a it's a special kind of photograph that we can do yearly to track um, that area of atrophy, if it is getting larger or not. Um, but it is a very, very slow progression. Good, good. That's 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 very encouraging. Yeah. Um, Dr. Riley, before we conclude, is there any sort of um, big picture uh, uh, advice you'd give to to our listeners about uh, the, you know the best way to take care of their eye health or how to have the most positive uh, interactions um, in their doctor's office? I mean, I think the listeners are already, you know, ahead of the curve. Um, they're already getting so much information about the conditions. And so I, I really encourage patients to ask questions because there's really, um, you know, no stupid questions when you come to the doctor's office. So if you just want to know, you know, you're worried about it, you're worried, do I have any signs of macular degeneration or do I have any signs of glaucoma or things that you might not even recall the differences between, but these are just very easily answered questions that sometimes from our point of view, you know, it's it's obvious to us, no, you don't have this, but sometimes, you know, it, it, it hasn't been communicated as well. And the other thing that's really important is that if you do have any of these conditions, every so often it's a good idea to ask, you know, how am I doing? You know, am I, is this something I, you know, am I expected to 
you know, am I expected to go blind in the next few years? Do you expect me to be doing about the same? Do you expect, you know, how do you think I'm going to be doing in five years or ten years? Um, Because, you know, I've actually asked patients, you know, what their expectations are, and a lot of them are actually thinking for the worst. And, and, you know, I can sort of re-guide them and and say, you know, like, you're doing fine. And, and, you know, for my expectations for you in the next five years is that you're still going to be reading or, you're still going to be able to, you know, those types of things. And sometimes the answers to the questions aren't just black and white, but it's a conversation that I think is really important to have with with your, um, you know, eye care professional because sometimes you might just be thinking either one way or the other. You might be thinking for the worse or maybe, you know, you're not well prepared either. So, Yeah, that's a really interesting point, Dr. Al. I've never thought about that, how people on both sides of the chair to maybe communicate a little little more clearly uh, I mean about for me I, I there's a lot of times that I think I'm telling somebody that you're doing great and everything's going well and and you know your vision's doing really well and I feel like I've communicated that but there's not there I've been surprised where there's visits when you know a patient has asked me so you know, it's great that I'm doing fine now, but, you know, do you think I'm going to be, you know, blind next year or something like that? You know, and just these very yeah. reasonable questions that I, I feel that, you know, I could have communicated better. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. It sounds like just a clear, comfortable uh, communication is best, and, and certainly the advice that there's no stupid question would probably, uh, right. probably you know, help help people, uh, you know, make sure they get that point across. Well, There's a um, lot of anxiety when it comes to these topics, you know. It's understandable. Yeah, and then conversely, there's probably people that are running a lot of red lights and think that everything is is fine. So I think they they need to hear your your expectations. So, So again, thank you very much for being a part of today's chat. And Dr. Riley, uh, we're we're really thrilled that that to have you back for a uh, uh, you know a subsequent Bright Focus chat. And, and I think just want to, on behalf of Bright Focus and 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 uh, people on the call, I just want to thank you for being so so helpful, so clear, and and so encouraging. So uh, we hope we have the opportunity to to have you back here in the future. I hope so too. Thanks for having me. All right, all right. Thank you, everybody. Bye bye. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.